Hello and welcome everybody to Three Things with JR, episode number 40. This will be our last episode of the year, and we'll make it the last episode of season one. I didn't. I don't really think about seasons when it comes to podcasts. I know a lot of other shows do that, where they uh, where they have a season, and then there's a break, and then they do another season. I don't plan to take a break, so season two will simply be 2021's episodes, uh, and uh, there'll be there should be about one every week because I am enjoying doing this. I did take last week off for the first time since I started putting out three things with Jr. and it was kind of painful to do so and uh, I, I we almost did one we had I had the microphone set up uh, I was in Florida last week having helped my mother move to Florida to Sarasota Florida and her and my sister and myself were on Siesta Key Beach watching the sunset and we had well laid out plans to record a podcast about the move to Florida the wind at the beach had other ideas, though, and it was literally just too noisy. You would have just been hearing <laughs> the whole time, and it would have been miserable for you, the listener. So I am sparing you. I did spare you the pain of trying to listen to us record a podcast on the beach watching the sunset. Would have been nice. It was a great sunset. A beautiful beach, and I'm so happy my mother is living in Florida where she wants to be in her new condo. That is awesome, and uh, it's just uh, I'm very happy that that has all worked out, and uh, the stress of the move is an all now a thing of the past. I did drive a 20-foot U-Haul truck full of my mother's stuff, uh, towing a uh, car-carrying trailer, carrying my car, all the way to Florida, and that was not as nerve-wracking as I thought it would be. It was actually a fairly easy drive. Didn't really have any issues or anything like that. Just uh, just drove to Florida and got there and unloaded, and it was all fine. So uh, no tickets, no issues, no problems with the trailer or the car or the stuff or anything like that. It was pretty awesome. So uh, we did stop at a Motel 6 on the way down, and uh, we had a, a room where you could smoke in the, in the hotel room, which was pretty neat. You don't see that very often anymore unless you're in, like, Las Vegas or something. And we found a Waffle House that was open. So, yeah, it was pretty great. It was a great little road trip, and uh, I am happy to be home. Uh, la if you did listen to the last episode, episode number 39, that one was recorded on a ski lift throughout the day with Kiki and me. Kiki is my girlfriend. Uh, she has yet uh, had yet to make an appearance on the podcast, despite the fact that I record this podcast usually in my bedroom. Uh, but she is usually not here because she is microphone shy. She is not a person who wants to be on mic, on a show, talking to the public. And I try to tell her, just, just talk to me. Forget the mic. It's just, just talk to me. And she can't do that but I sort of roped her in didn't really give her a whole lot of choice because we were riding that ski lift all day uh, to get to the top so we could ski back down and I just kept talking to her and finally she started talking and it was great it was actually one of my top 10 episodes as far as number of people that have listened I did 
tag her in the post when I put it on Facebook, which means all of Kiki's friends saw that there was a podcast with her on it. And I think I think that is the reason we can add two more countries to the list of where people are listening to three things with J.R. Uh, so uh, last time, a couple episodes ago, we celebrated the addition of Lithuania. Welcome again, Lithuania people. Uh, but we are now adding Canada and Poland, which isn't really surprising. Uh, one of Kiki's friends, uh, best friends, Jeff and Andrea Cushing, uh, are our friends. Uh, they are from Canada and they have family there and they probably are friends with Kiki on Facebook, which means I, put, I tagged her in it and people she knows are in it. And somebody that knows Kiki that's in Canada has listened to the show. And that's pretty cool. Uh, and... As far as Poland goes, uh, Kiki is uh, does have a Polish heritage. Uh, she's really in. We've made pierogies several times. Uh, I'm re- apparently really good at rolling pierogi dough, so uh, she has uh, roped me in to making pierogies, which is a Polish food. And uh, there's a Polish background in the Osborne family, so maybe that's how word got back to Poland that they should listen to this episode. Somebody in Poland knows Kiki. That's my guess as to why we have now added Poland and Canada to the list of countries listening to Three Things with JR. If you have been listening, you might want an update on my dad. Uh, As you may know, right around uh, Thanksgiving, a little before he actually came down with the coronavirus and turned out to be a pretty bad case of it. Uh, Got to the point where we thought we might be having our last conversation with him on Thanksgiving morning over the phone. My sister and I hopped in the car, drove out there, saw him, and he actually has been improving pretty much ever since. He uh, left the big hospital, went to a small hospital where he's been doing physical therapy and uh, just sort of you know using less and less oxygen to keep his blood oxygen level up and getting to the point where the doctors are willing to let him go. And uh, it looked like he might have had a stroke or two, but they did some CT scans. He did not have a stroke. It's probably the result of some funky medicine that he's on, uh, soon to not be on. It's called dexamethasone, or as people in the horse world call it, just plain dex, because apparently it's a drug they give horses as well. Uh, It's some sort of steroid, if I'm not mistaken, and it takes over some vital bodily functions for you, and it also makes you kind of crazy, makes you see things that aren't there, makes you forget things. Uh, It screws with your mind, and that's kind of where Dad's at now, is we, uh, we hope it's this medication that's just making him a little loopy, and we look forward to this medication going away. He's on less and less of it. He just reduced his dosage down to one pill a day. And by the end of this week, he won't even be taking that. So we're hoping to get, you know, we've got him kind of back physically. He's not really even using much oxygen at all anymore. And hopefully once this medicine is out of his system, he'll be back mentally as well. Because I do kind of miss Miss Dad, you know, it's like uh, it's like the invasion of the body snatchers. It's like there's somebody else in his brain right now and there's not much he can do about it. And I think there's nobody more frustrated by this than him. So uh, looking forward to uh, talking to my dad again. Uh, One last update on the trip to Iowa. Uh, We were headed out there in in a bit of a hurry and we were so excited. I was uh, since I was behind the wheel the entire time to get all the way to and from Iowa without any issues, no tickets, no wrecks, no nothing, you know? And uh, there was at one point that I was going 
I mean, I generally was keeping it at five miles an hour over the speed limit. If it was 70, I had the cruise control on 75. If it was 65, I would lo- drop it down to 70. And uh, there was only there was one exception to that rule. There was a long stretch of road right around Cedar Rapids, Iowa, where the speed limit had dropped to 60, down to 55. It may or may not have been a work zone, but nobody, I mean, there was not many people on the road, but the people that were on the road, nobody slowed down to 55 or anywhere close to it for this work zone, myself included. We just kept on trucking. There was no work actually going on. There was cones out, uh, but it was still three or four lanes of highway. It was, there was no good reason to slow down other than the sign and, uh, and the cameras that apparently they have there that I didn't know about. And I got it in the mail today. Uh, a, actually, I got it yesterday. I paid it today. Notice of automated traffic citation from the Automated Enforcement Program. It is speeding violation. Apparently, I was going 69 miles an hour in a 55-mile-per-hour zone. They've got uh, beautiful pictures of my car. Uh, it is unmistakably my car, and there's plenty of people I've spoken with on the uh, on the internet that say it wouldn't be hard to fight this ticket to get out of it. They're unconstitutional. They shouldn't be allowed anyway. Uh, and uh, rather than try to fight that, which would have involved filling out some forms, uh, could have ultimately res- you know, in- involved me going to Iowa to go to court and fight this thing, and uh, or I could just uh, drop seventy five bucks and be done with it take the hit on the insurance if there is even a hit. I haven't had a ticket in like five or six years now, maybe even longer. It's been a while. So, you know, maybe maybe it's not even going to be that big. I just I just paid it. I I didn't want to I don't want to deal with whatever it might take to fight it. So, I would uh I'm kind of bummed that I, that happened, but uh two big long road trips and that's the worst thing that happened was a $75 speeding camera ticket. Oh well. I can deal with that. Uh, So there's some updates. That's what's been going on. I'd like to get into thing number one. And I've mentioned this many times on the show. It's my love of disc golf. But I want to kind of give you a history, why I love disc golf, how long I've been playing some form of disc golf, and where I'm at now and what I did recently on my trip back from Florida. So for me, disc golf didn't start off as disc golf. Uh, it started off as this game we played when we went to Uncle Bob's house. Uncle Bob is the husband of my Aunt Mary, my dad's youngest sister. They live just outside of Columbus, Ohio, and they have several acres of land, and in the backyard is a pond, and surrounding the pond and the garden and the and the, the garage are little little sets of tires sort of strategically placed. And basically, uh, Bob had a collection of Frisbees, and your job was to uh, start at a tee, uh, like a golf tee, and throw the Frisbees to the tires. And to get the Frisbees into the tire was the goal. You basically scored it like golf, uh, except you, instead of a, a, a golf club and a ball and a hole in the ground, you were throwing a Frisbee into a set of two tires stacked on top of each other into the hole in the middle of the two tires. That was frisbee golf. Uh, at one point, uh, Uncle Bob had 18 holes. Uh, he for the, he he kind of got rid of some of those and kept it at a seven or eight hole course. And to this day, when we go to Bob's house, we still play frisbee golf. We were actually rather inspired by that because when my dad uh, and my family had a piece of land in Greene County, Virginia, a one-acre piece of land that Dad and I and others built his house on. 
uh, we, as part of the pro this was our kind of our weekend getaway. We installed sets of tires all around this one acre piece of land, and we played frisbee golf every weekend. Uh, regular frisbees, not discs made for disc golf, just regular recreational style frisbees. That's what we would throw at the tires. We would keep score. We were competitive, and we loved it. Somewhere around the time when I was 11 or 12, I was riding my bike on the bike trail up in the Northern Virginia area, the W&OD trail. It's a nice paved bike trail. Goes through Fairfax, Arlington, Vienna, all over. Goes way out into the country. It used to be train tracks. Now it's a bike trail. Well, I was riding through Arlington through a place called Bluemont Park when I noticed a, a pole with a basket, like a wire basket, and uh, a wire ring at the top with chains drooping down from it. And I was perplexed as to what that was. And I, I actually kind of figured it out just intuitively. Uh, there wasn't any, I don't remember any signs explaining what it was, but maybe there was, maybe that's what helped me figure out what it was. But I just remember thinking, huh, I wonder if that's some sort of professional version of Frisbee golf. Like we throw regular Frisbees at tires. Maybe, maybe these things are what people actually do. Like maybe this is how it should work. So I went to a store, got myself a Frisbee, went back to the Bluemont Park and tried to play Frisbee golf using a regular recreational Frisbee, throwing it at these baskets with these chains. And I kind of liked it. I didn't do it a bunch. I, did, I wasn't instantly hooked, or, excuse me, or, or anything like that. But uh, I did th think it was kind of fun. Um, that happened when I was 10 or 12. Uh, and then many years later, when I was living in Greene County uh, with my wife and kids, uh, they, were, they installed a park in Greene County called the Greene County Community Park. And there were soccer fields and a picnic pavilion, basketball court. And once again... I noticed those poles with chains and a basket. There was more of them. And I was like, huh, let me check this out. Uh, and uh, so I was, I showed up on a day when there was people playing it and uh, asked them what was going on. It was called disc golf, not frisbee golf. They showed me the type of discs that you, you use. They told me where I could go to buy some. I think they might have even had some that I could use. And uh, I learned about the actual sport of disc golf. And one of my friends, I met him during that day. Uh, he helped me uh, many. Uh, we played together for years. His name was Mike Purcell, member of the Blue Ridge Disc Golf Club at the time. I became a member. I was all in. It was all I wanted to do every day after work on the weekends. We went and played tournaments and it was awesome. Uh, I got I would never say I got. I would, I would not say I ever got really good at disc golf. If you compare me to other disc golfers, I'm somewhere in the middle, right there, kind of right in the middle. I could be better if I had all day, every day to do nothing but think about and play disc golf, but I don't. So I play as often as I can, but it's, uh, it's, re it's still kind of recreational level. Uh, when I compete in tournaments, I compete at the amateur 40 plus division. Uh, so I'm competing against uh, people that have uh, similarly aged arms as I do. And uh, I actually have been fairly competitive and it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I played it for a few years there. I helped expand that course at the Greene County Community Park and uh, just loved it. I sort of fell, fell out of playing disc golf. 
Uh, I got separated. Uh, I actually lived even closer to the Green County Community Park when I when I left my wife and moved to a different house. I lived literally like a stone's throw from the park. Almost never played it. I was just not into it at the time, but. Uh, I, I did start to get back into it. There's a new course in downtown Charlottesville. I was playing that, uh, and I, I got some more discs. I was getting back into it. A friend from work who's also been playing it for many, many years, uh, Jason Hoyer, uh, he was getting really back into it. We became members of the Professional Disc Golf Association, and we, where you get a number and you can compare scores and there's stats and everything. There's a whole there's an app for keeping score called UDisc. Like you can really get sort of you know socially interactive with the app with others with friends. You can have tournaments. I mean, you can just it's a lot of fun. Uh, and then I he was also like, hey, check this out on YouTube, and uh, come to find out, there's you know hundreds of professional disc golfers and there's many video companies that go around and video their tournaments and these are now on youtube and these are very well produced uh you know 30 minute or so episodes of uh half of a tournament like the first nine holes the second nine holes day one day two so you could spend a couple hours uh watching an entire tournament of some of the best disc golfers in the world uh these are things like jomez or jomez pro central coast disc golf and many others and so this year 2020 uh, almost everything else I do got canceled. I can't sing in the choir. Softball was closed. Uh, my band had no gigs. Um, well, stand-up comedy almost completely gone, except for some gigs in the summer. So what did I do? I started this podcast, and I basically just got myself 100% addicted to disc golf all over again. I was into it before, but not like anything else in my life this year that has basically taken over it's all i want to do after work sometimes i'll take long lunch breaks and work later into the evening now that it's dark getting dark early so i can still play three to four times a week plus the weekends if at all possible it's kind of all i want to do because everything else i actually would like to do isn't possible right now but disc golf can be done safely socially distanced you don't need to wear a mask you can play by yourself or with others there's no reason to be close to people it's a safe fun physical activity i can bring scherzer my dog he hangs out with me he doesn't eat discs or anything he doesn't take chase them or and he'd rather chase the foxes and the bunnies and the squirrels around the disc golf course which is uh, fun for him. But yeah, basically disc golf every day. That's been my year. That and when I'm not playing it, I'm at home probably watching it on YouTube because there's so many hours of disc golf to watch on YouTube. Uh, it's even this year, partly probably because of the pandemic, now it's been featured on CBS Sports as well as ESPN. The sport of disc golf is growing at a ridiculous rate this year because so many people are flocking to it as a good outlet, as a safe, safe, COVIDly safe thing to do this year uh, with your family. Like seeing many fathers and sons are out there, mothers and daughters, full families. Uh, and it's just great seeing the sport grow. Uh, and uh, watching this uh, disc golf on, on TV, YouTube is TV now, right? Watching it on TV, I've been like, man, those are some cool courses they're playing. I would love to play those disc golf courses. There's some really epic courses with some neat holes that are unlike anything on these disc golf courses I see here locally. 
So I started doing some looking around. I was thinking back in the summer, I might do a, a road trip with Scherzer and me where we go camping and play disc golf on some of these epic courses. That wasn't able to happen. Just scheduling didn't make sense. But then my mother needed to move to Florida. And there's, there's courses in Florida, but there's also courses in Georgia, South Carolina, and North Carolina that I have seen featured on YouTube, on Jomez Pro and other disc golf video websites, uh, YouTube channels. And uh, I figured this was the time. This was my opportunity. So on the way back from dropping mom off in Florida, stayed there a couple days, helped her get all moved in. Drove to Jacksonville and played at New World Disc Golf Center, uh, which is four different disc golf courses. Uh, one of them is dedicated for only disc golf. The other three are on a regular golf course where they combine disc golf and regular golf in the same piece of land. So you might have disc golfers playing at the same time as golfers. Uh, I played two of those courses. Then I drove from there. Uh, 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 oh, I also got to visit my uh, Uncle John, uh, uh, Cousin John, Cousin Mary Lou, Cousin Kim. Got to see some people and, uh, and then went from, jo from Jacksonville up into Georgia, right outside of uh, Augusta, Georgia, where I lived when I was three weeks old to when I was about three years old. Just outside of Augusta, Georgia in Appling, Georgia, is the International Disc Golf Center with three separate courses that have been featured on many different things. Uh, that's where they've had some major tournaments. All three of these courses are wooded and hard to play. When I got there... The rain was imminent, but we went ahead and started anyway. I played with a couple local dudes, Matt and Jimmy. They showed me around. They kept score on U-Disc, and it was amazing. And it was right on this park. It was in Wildwood Park, which is apparently right there on this lake where my mom used to take me when I was a baby. Um, so there's somewhere there's a picture of me playing in this lake, and then I have now have pictures of me playing disc golf at the same lake. Pretty cool. Uh, after Georgia, I left and went to South Carolina to... Rock Hill, South Carolina, and I played Winthrop Gold, which is at Winthrop University in Rock Hill, South Carolina. They've got 18 holes that are kind of epic, all, all around this uh, college sporting complex, around the baseball fields and the, uh, the Coliseum there, Winthrop Coliseum. And uh, boy, the, that day sucked uh, because it was cold, it was windy, uh, and uh, it had rained about three inches the night before, so everything was sloppy wet. Uh, so I did not play very well at Winthrop Gold, but I had a fun time playing those holes that I had seen so many times on TV. And I left from there and drove half an hour up to Charlotte, North Carolina, to Hornet's Nest, uh, which is a public park where they have the Disc Golf Pro Tour Championship every year. Uh, and I played those 18 holes, which were, again, Pretty freaking epic. Uh, in fact, that's that's that was probably my favorite stop of all, uh, just because I played well. I actually threw the disc well, played good, uh, got a reasonable score, two over par uh, for what it's worth, and uh, had a great time. Uh, and that was kind of it. I drove home and uh, I took a day off, and then I went out and played disc golf on one of my local courses. Uh, and, uh, along the way I lost discs, uh, on almost all the courses that I played. I also found discs on almost all the courses I played. So the end result was I, uh, I probably walked away with slightly fewer discs than I gained, but worth it, worth it because I, I buy discs all the time. Go to play it against sports. You can get yourself some discs or just come to me. I have them in my trunk of my car. I maybe can sell you some discs too. But, uh, so if you're into disc golf, like I am, 
You're probably not. But if you are, talk to me about it. Uh, let's go play sometime. It is, uh, it is fantastic. So, so there you go. That was thing number one, and that was epic. It's time for a drum solo, and we'll be right back with thing number two. And we're back. Drum solo done. Thing number two is uh, usually something to do with pop culture. Could be music, could be TV, could be anything like that. And what I am pretty interested in watching right now, besides disc golf, is the show Shit's Creek. Uh, this is, for some of you, you're thinking right now, oh my gosh, I love that show. I've seen the whole series uh, three times. Uh, others of you are like, uh, I tried that show, didn't get into it, thought it was stupid. And others of you may be like me, where you are seeing it for the first time, and it just gets better and better with every episode. I tried it when it first came out. I thought the name was kind of funny. I like Eugene Levy. I thought I'll give this a try. First episode just didn't do it for me. I was done. I gave up on it. My sister, Aubrey, been pitching me on watching that show for ever since, basically, uh, to the point where she was willing to uh, use my username and password on YouTube TV to watch it on her own down in Florida because she had no other way to get Pop TV, which is the channel it was on. Uh, well, it's now on Netflix. And uh, so I went ahead and uh, tried it. Kiki, my girlfriend, and I are hooked. We are, uh, it's hard to say we're binge watching it because we only get about two or three episodes done at a time. And some weeks we don't get any episodes watched, uh, but we are slowly making our way through it for the past couple of months now. And we are just finished season four. So for anybody that's into the show, you'll know that season four is where it really starts to tug at your heart springs, uh, heart springs. What is a heart spring? Uh, no, at your heart strings. And it, uh, I don't know if Kiki noticed, but in the, in the last two episodes of, uh, Shit's Creek episode or season four episodes, 12 and 13, I got teary eyed. I, I got emotional. It was hitting me hard. And, uh, it, it, I was not expecting that because the show is absolutely hilarious. The uh, I'm not even going to talk about like specifically what it's about and what makes it funny because you really should just discover it on your own. I don't want to spoil any of it or taint it in any way. Uh, just trust me when I tell you it's hilarious, it's moving, uh, and it's uh, it's fun to watch. So give Shit's Creek a try. And uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll get to binge it uh, and finish it here in the next month or two, uh, because apparently there's a really cool show at the end of it, which uh, gets you behind the scenes. You get to talk to the people that created it uh, and uh, and learn a whole lot about the show. And I'm looking forward, but I don't want to watch that until I've seen the whole thing, because that's how it was. Uh, that's how it was put out there. So uh, uh, for some of you, yes, I'm late to the party. For some of you, maybe I'm introducing you to the concept of giving Shit's Creek a try. Either way, uh, I'm on board. Shit's Creek is fantastic. Thing number three. This is usually something silly or absurd. This isn't really that silly or absurd. 
But it is that time of year when I remember that I made a business transaction for a recipe, a recipe for food. Uh, there's a guy at work. Uh, his real name is Dave. We call him Sam. He developed a recipe for a, a dipping sauce. He calls it Sammy's White Sauce. That I, I saw him at a party, at a, at a, a, super, a Super Bowl party one year. And I, he's like, hey, try this stuff. And I had a chip and I dipped it. And I have been hooked on the taste of Sammy's White Sauce ever since. It got to the point where Sam was selling his white sauce. He would make it in a big batch, uh, about 24 pints of it available for sale. Uh, and he would do that about once a month. And about once a month, I would buy three pints of Sammy's white sauce at $7 a pop. And I would usually finish it before he would make the next batch. And I would be craving more of Sammy's white sauce. Uh, he had little labels at one point that he would put on the side of the pint containers that I think accurately describe the taste of Sammy's white sauce. Sammy's white sauce, sweet, creamy, spicy, and dreamy. Yeah, that is correct. It is at both time, uh, at, at the same time, it is sweet. It is also spicy, kind of, kind of hits you in the back of the throat. Uh, it is very creamy. It's white. Uh, it's, uh, and yeah, I mean, I dream about it. It's dreamy. Uh, I want that taste in my mouth all the time. Uh, it's the type of sauce where you can dip a chip in it or a cracker or some broccoli or cauliflower or chopped carrots, but you can also throw it into a recipe. Some fettuccine linguine, Fettuccine, linguine, yeah, throw some Sammy's white sauce in there and it adds just a little kick to it, a little spice. Uh, dip, uh, throw it in some Mexican food. I just did that tonight, actually, uh, where I, I put it on. I, we ordered out from a Mexican place. I got my shrimp chimichanga and I threw some Sammy's white sauce on it. Just enough to add just a little bit more flavor. I loved it. Uh, still love it. And I was really bummed when Sam decided he wasn't really feeling energetic enough to be making Sammy's white sauce anymore. He actually sold his recipe to someone else. I asked him why he didn't sell it to me. He knew I wanted it, and he said, well, this other person's going to make it. They're going to sell it. I've got an exclusive deal with them. You can't buy it from me. You have to buy it from them. So I started buying it from them. And then they got tired of making it, and it was no longer available I kind of forgot about it, but never really did. Finally, I went to Sam and said, hey, they're no longer making it. What do you think about also selling me that recipe? And he did. So now I have exclusive rights to Sammy's white sauce. Uh, I am sworn to secrecy. I cannot give you the recipe. It is not commercially available. If it was, well, I guess I would kind of have to give the recipe. But uh, it's just kind of casually available. If you know me, 
You might be able to buy some Sammy's white sauce when I make it, if you're aware that I made it. I've made it, I made 12 pints the other day, uh, planning to give some to my kids who both love it, uh, and away as some Christmas, some belated Christmas presents. Uh, and uh, But I'll have a couple pints left, so if you know me and you like Sammy's white sauce and you want some, hit me up. Uh, we'll figure out some way for you to uh, pay me electronically and I'll deliver it uh, contactless delivery. We can, I'm sure, make that happen. But uh, I have some and uh, if, if I can't give it all away or sell it, I'm just going to eat it all myself. And frankly, I'm okay with that. I'm personally fine with it. Uh, so Sammy's White Sauce, that's the story behind it. That's, uh, that is my favorite condiment. I am all about sauce. I want uh, food, like hard food, for the most part, in many ways for me, is just a way to deliver more sauce into my mouth. Wings, yeah, the chicken is important, but not as important as the barbecue sauce or the buffalo sauce or whatever sauce is on the wings. Uh, burgers, it needs to be some barbecue sauce, some mayonnaise, maybe some ketchup, maybe some mustard. Hot dogs, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's mayonnaise and mustard. Uh, I mean, there's Condiments and sauces are more important to me than the food they are on most of the time. I have absolutely devoured, I'll say, half a pint of Sammy's white sauce without having anything to dip into it. In other words, I'll just spoon it into my mouth and basically eat it like it's a bowl of pudding. That's how good it is, people. That's how much I love it. Uh, and I have currently 11 and a half pints left, uh, 11 of which are available, some of which are being given away as gifts. The rest I might sell. So if you know about Sammy's White Sauce and you want it, hit me up. That's all of it. Uh, that's the whole thing. That is episode 40. That is a wrap on 2020. Uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed doing three things with JR. Welcome to Lithuania, Canada, and Poland. Thanks to all the guests that have been on the show this year, especially my most recent guest, Kiki. Uh, I was excited she came on the show, and uh, maybe at some point we can rope her into doing it again. Uh, I asked her today, I said, is there any situation where you could see yourself being on the show again? And she, to her credit, she really thought about it before she said, yeah, no, not happening. Um, but we'll see. Uh, I consider myself a fairly good salesperson, and uh, maybe I can find a way that it would be in her best interest to be on Three Things with JR. And if we can do that, we might be able to make it happen. So that's it. I'm just rambling now. I have gone through everything I wanted to tell you. Uh, I will be back with season two, episode number one in 2021. Have a happy new year. Stay safe. I love you all, over and out with a drum solo.